the church. It was crazy. But anyway, hope you got all your shopping done. If not, good luck. We'll have a moment of prayer for all those late shoppers. Thank you. Lord, bless them. Help them. Amen. All right. Hey, welcome to GFC. We're so glad you're here tonight. We thank you for joining us. If you're a guest, please take a moment after the service. Across from the lobby there is our welcome uh, area. And come by, see us. We've got a selection of gifts, good stuff like Starbucks cards, all sorts of fun stuff that you could probably benefit this Christmas season. Get you a drink from the coffee bar. You don't have to stand in line. But the best part is we get to meet you. So come by after the service, and we look forward to that. A couple of things I want to make note of. Uh, first of all, Christmas Eve services is just a couple days away. On Monday at 1, 3, and 5, we will be at the uh, Denver Tech Center Marriott. All right, and I heard someone say, oh, we don't like going to the hotel for Christmas Eve. Look, it, it isn't about where you're at. It's about who you're with and about what God wants to do. So just get over that. Come join us. Uh, I'll give you a peppermint stick. I'll do something real nice for you. But anyway, come and be a part of that. We have a great service planned, a lot of new stuff this year. It's going to be a lot of fun. So one, three, and five, but I need you to do this. Get tickets. And all that does, they're free. Uh, you can get as many as you want, but it just allows us to make sure we have enough space for everybody for each service. So at one, three, and five. Then our traditional candlelight communion service, it's the only one we'll be doing communion, is at Highlands Ranch Campus at 11 o'clock. If you prefer that uh, style or tradition, join us there at 11. There's tickets for that too as well. So take a deep breath. Exhale. Go get in the parking line somewhere. Take a nap. Hey, uh, one more thing. You're in giving. If you want uh, any of your giving to be credited toward this year, it has to be in the offices by Monday the 31st. Uh, by law, we have to do that. So please try to get it in there. Uh, any of the year in giving that you want to do, make sure it's in here. You could do that next weekend in the services or come by that Monday if you need to do that. So anyway, boy, y'all are a good-looking bunch. I've seen some nice Christmas outfits tonight. I, li I like that. I, some of them were different, but I like them anyway. So anyway, we won't go there. I won't look your direction. I'll just... Okay. Hey, we do want to prove off and we thank you. We got a great message tonight by Pastor Marcus here at our Lone Tree campus. He's going to be uh, sharing some other stuff we're going to do here in a moment. But I want to prove our offering and uh, just give thanks. Are you ready to give thanks for God's blessing? Join with me in that prayer then. Father, we just come before heaven today with hearts filled with gratitude and thanksgiving for all that you've done, especially at this Christmas season, the, the ability to sense God's goodness in our Christmas and what you have done not only in the spiritual realm, but in our provision. We thank you that this Christmas we are blessed. And for those struggling and having a difficult time, we pray for them today. We lift them up. Let the miracle of God's provision take place. We ask that in your name. Amen. Pastor Amen. Marcus. Amen. Hey, um, before we start our message, we wanted to do something special just for this service um, at each of our campuses. Uh, December 26th, we have a group of 19 young adults from all of our campuses, so JFCY, 19 young adults are going to be traveling to Costa Rica on December 26th, the day after Christmas. So these are people that are on fire for the Lord, and they're going to go out there and they're going to be working with a ministry called Sun Life Ministries. Sun Life Ministries is a well-established ministry out there. Um, they're going to be going, actually, to help Sun Life Ministries do three things. They're going to help them... Um, they're going to, Sun Life Ministries right now is working on launching a young adult ministry of their own. So we're sending young adults... What a great population of people to go help them do that, help them brainstorm, help them work together how to do that, come up with strategy, go out there and do outreach with people to bring them into that ministry. So they're going to be doing that. They're going to be doing construction um, on their facilities um, as well as on a campus that they have there. And then they're going to be doing street evangelism and outreach, sharing the message of God 
with the people in Costa Rica. How many of, we know, how many of us know that the world needs the message of Jesus and of hope? So what we wanted to do um, during this service specifically was I was going to invite Pastor Jonathan Murley. He's our missions pastor with JFC up here, as well as if there's anybody in here in the young adults ministry that will be going on the Costa Rica trip, I want to invite you guys up here right now to join us. And we as a church are just going to reach our hands out um, and pray for them. I know that there's some of them in here. So if you guys are in here, you're hiding. We got one coming, coming up here. A couple. Perfect. All right. Yeah, you guys Good. can put your hands together. Good. Now, we have these young adults as well across all of the campuses. We will be praying for them at all of the Saturday services that we have. So, obviously, this is a representation here from Lone Tree, um, but there are 19 in total. So, Amen. Amen. We do have representation from every campus, and we're really excited about this. As we move forward into 2013, we're going to have so many neat options available uh, for many different, uh, many different types of our population to get involved in missions. These young people have raised their money. They spent the last, the last six months getting ready for this. Guys, the time is here. So uh, would you extend your hands, and we're going to pray over them and for them uh, as, they, uh, as they make their way down. So, Father, Lord, I thank you for what you're doing. Lord, what you're doing in all 19 of these young people that are going down. Lord, I thank you that mission trip didn't start and doesn't start on December 26th, it started in May, and Lord, the things that you're doing in their hearts, Lord, as they're beginning their careers, as they're beginning uh, their, their journey on, on what they're going to be doing with their lives, Lord, I pray that, that as they go down, Lord, that you would speak vision into their lives for what they were created to do. Lord, as they go down there, I pray that, that the work that you've done in their hearts of knowing you, knowing what the Father heart of God is, that they would continue to know that so they could pass it along to every person that they come into contact with. Lord, that is the essence of what we're trying to do, to, to know you and make you known. So, Lord, I thank you that you're going to do great and mighty things through these young people that go down there. Lord, as they go down, as they fly down, as they fly back, as they uh, walk around, as they go around in buses, Lord, I pray, according to Psalm 91, that you would send your angels ahead of them to protect them, to bear them up in their arms should they dash their foot against a stone. Lord, we pray over this in the name of Jesus. Lord, we ask... Lord, that everywhere they put their foot, that they would be led by the Holy Spirit and that you would open up amazing opportunities for them to share their faith. Lord, share their faith, even share their faith with each other, Lord, to encourage each other in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for the good reports that we are going to hear in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we just, we commit these things to you in, in your name, Father. Lord, we commit them to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for praying with us. So, obviously, for 19 um, of our young adults, this season's already begun to get more busy. Um, I wanted to just before, again, before stepping into the message, um, jumping into that, one more piece of housekeeping. Next weekend, December 29th and 30th, we have invited um, our, a guest speaker to teach here at the JFC Lone Tree Campus and then sending it out to all of our other campuses. Um, and his name is Bob Sorge. Many of you may know that name because when we were in our Stronghold series, we sold his book, um, called Open from the Inside, a very powerful book. Um, so we've actually asked Bob Sorge to come, and I just wanted to preface um, before he got here to let you guys know why we've invited him to come and speak. We don't give pulpit time very often to people outside of our church, um, and so there's something that's really important that comes 
comes with, with uh, Sorge, and that is this. Um, Bob Sorge was a, was a senior pastor for, I believe, like 13 years. Um, he lives in Kansas City, Missouri with his wife, um, and he was also a worship leader um, for, for many, many years. And 20 years ago, Bob Sorge went in for a vocal cord operation to remove a nodule um, next to his vocal cords. And as he went in for the procedure, everything was fine. And when he came out of the procedure, his voice, he lost the ability to talk 20 years ago. And for the last 20 years, Bob Sorge has had to wrestle with the Lord as to why this affliction, why this difficulty, why has my ministry completely changed um, in, over the last 20 years in the in a blink of an eye, in an instance. So he's, um, he's been battling with this. And as he's gone through this 20-year battle, he's learned a lot about the grace of God and the mercy of God. He's learned a lot about the power and the authority of God to allow us to, as we read in his book, um, Open from the Inside, to take on the strongholds of life and the things that we may face and we may tackle. Um, and so it's been a really interesting journey for him. He's written, I think, over 15 books, much of it going back to the process that God has walked him through over the last 20 years. And he has a powerful testimony. Bob Sorge, here's something that's really amazing. Bob Sorge has, is still not healed. The man still stands on the fact that our Lord is a healer. He writes books about our God being a healer, and yet he hasn't experienced it in this way for himself yet, but still believes that one day he will. And I think there's power in that testimony. You know, we hear people get up here and teach and talk about, I had this or I had that and the Lord healed me. And there's great power in that testimony. But what about the testimony when you believe and you ask and you're waiting? What does that look like? And so we've asked Bob Sorge to come and to teach next weekend. I wanted to preface it with this. He does not have his voice back yet. So it's going to be a very interesting thing for us. Um, um, we are actually making accommodations for him. He's a world-renowned teacher. He teaches all over the world. I was actually looking this morning at his schedule, and the guy is booked every single week. He's somewhere, and he's in China, and he's in Singapore, and he's here in the States. And so he's teaching. He's a world-renowned teacher. Um, and the amazing thing is, is um, the man can't talk for more than an hour at a time, and I say talk, he can't whisper for more than an hour at a time without going through excruciating pain. So you could imagine just how his schedule, how much faith he has, how much belief he has, how much hope he wants to impart to people by sharing the message of what Christ has done in his life, allowed in his life, but now what Christ has done in all of our lives for us, ultimately healing us. And so I think it's a powerful thing, and we just wanted to bring that to all of your attention. That's next weekend. I know there's actually people coming from out of town to come in here that you don't want to miss the message. Um, if you're here in town. So come for that. Uh, I think it's an amazing opportunity. This weekend, we are finishing up our White Elephant series. This is part four of White Elephant, and we have titled this message, um, Got It. The first message, Pastor Evan did a fantastic job talking about get it. What are we looking for? What is it that we're trying to get in this life? What is it that we're seeking for? Um, Pastor John went through two phenomenal messages of being generous, about God being generous to us. He talked about God's healing, the generosity and the blessing of God's healing upon his life in that, and then talked about last week how we as well, because God is generous, are to be generous, and the fact that we hold in our hands keys to unlocking the supernatural in the kingdom of God by being generous. Um, three fantastic messages, and we're going to wrap it up um, with the message, Got It, this weekend, talking about gifts as a whole, what we have from God, what do we do about that, when we have it, 
how do we react? Um, I normally don't do this, but I thought it'd be a fun way here in Christmas to lighten the, lighten the mood. Some of you are really, really tense because you want to get out of here as fast as possible because you need to make it to the mall before it closes. So I promise I will get you guys out of here. Um, I feel for you if you're going to the mall. I tried to go there the other day, and it is not the place you want to be right now. Um, so I got a joke here. Uh, about a, two weeks before Christmas, a little Catholic boy decided to write a letter to Santa. He started, Dear Santa, he thought, no. I'm going to go to a higher authority. So he decided to write a letter to Jesus. Dear Jesus, if you get me a bike for Christmas, I will be good for two weeks. <laughs> no, 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 no. I can't be good for two weeks, he thought to himself. So he started it all over, trashed it. New letter. Dear Jesus, if you get me a bike for Christmas, I will be good for one week. No, 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 no. I can't be good for one week, he thought to himself, so he trashed that one too. He quickly ran to the study room, grabbed the statue of Mary that they had sitting on the shelf, and quickly wrapped it up in a blanket. He started all over again, this time writing, Dear Jesus, I have your mother. If you ever want to see her again, give me a bike for Christmas. How many of you guys like Christmas? I love Christmas. I think Christmas is a fantastic time of the year. It's a time that we get to celebrate family. It's a time that we get to um, honor the Lord with gifts to others and honor the Lord really by recognizing the gifts that he's given to us. The reality though that I found even driving to the mall the other day is it's really easy to lose sight of what this season is all about. It's really easy to lose focus in the midst of what should be a really enjoyable a fun-filled, gift-giving, gift-receiving time with family. So before we start this message on gifts and upon ultimately the gifts that Christ has given us, I just wanted to spend some time in prayer that he would soften our hearts, whether it's that guy that cut us off in traffic today, whether it's the chaos of knowing that you're going to have, you know, both sides of the family coming to your house at one time, whether it's the fact of all of the hustle and bustle that goes on during this season, I pray that the Lord would just come and meet us where we're at right now, soften our hearts so that we can hear from the Holy Spirit. Would you guys pray with me? Father, we give you this time. We give you this next half hour. If that's nothing to you, Lord, but it's everything to you. And Father, we just, we just give you this time. We give you the opportunity to come and touch our lives. Father, I give you this pulpit, this platform, and this message. Father, that it's not about what we've put on paper. God, but it's about your Holy Spirit. It's about understanding, recognizing, and utilizing the gifts that you've given us through your son, Jesus. Father, we come to you at this time of craziness, this time of, of sometimes difficulty, sometimes there's sadness involved in it, sometimes there's great joy, but there's always busyness, Lord. And we give you the busyness, we give you our hearts, and we say, we want to, you to meet us here. We are ready and willing, Lord. Would you come and speak to us, Father? And we love you, Lord. We thank you that when we come to you and we ask of those things, that you hear our prayers and that you are faithful to answer them. We just pray all this in your precious and your holy name. Everyone said, amen. amen. Well, with the idea of gifts and the idea of that it's easy to lose focus during this time of year, you're going to see point one of your notes, the, one of the probably the hardest things to recognize um, as we walk into the Christmas season. And it's the thought of what are you focusing on? Underneath that, you're going to see the little tagline. Are you focusing on what you have? Are you focusing on what you don't have? You know, we live in a society that's bombarded 
with messages through media, through our neighbors, through our friends, through our family, um, about the fact that it's not about the things that you have, it's about the things that you don't have. And as soon as you have that thing, there's a new thing that you don't have that you now need. And so we live in a society that bombards us with this message. I don't know if you see it. If you own a television, if you turn on the radio, um, you can't open up anything anymore. You can't even open up a newspaper with seeing ads and without being bombarded with ads of saying, you need this, you need that, you need this, you need that. Um, how many of you guys have kids in here? I think we've got a lot of kids in the church. Okay, so you guys can relate to this one. We have five kids, a sixth on the way. Everybody keeps asking us, are you guys done? Yes, I believe that we're probably done. A half dozen is a lot of kids. Um, so we're probably done through this process. But we have a two-year-old boy. He's our only boy, and he's actually going to be our only boy. We, we, uh, we're having a fifth girl, so pray for us. Um, especially in like 18 years. And if anybody wants to give an offering right now, we'll be taking that up and we'll be banking it for the future, for all the weddings. Um, but we have a two-year-old boy, and I love my son. The guy is reckless. His name is Marcus, named after me, um, spelled differently. But the kid is just, he's a joy. He's got a lot of life, but he is like, he's running a hundred. He's like, he's like when Pastor John talks about um, rhinoceroses, he talks about the fact that they're, when they run together, they're called a crash because they run 30 miles an hour, but they can't see five feet in front of them. That's like my son. My son runs 30 miles an hour, and he has no peripheral vision. He's just go, 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 go. And he's, so, he's a fireball. He's a lot of fun. Um, but a few days ago, we allowed all of our kids um, to open up one gift early, just for fun, just to have fun. So my son goes and grabs his gift, and he tears into that thing. I mean, in like half a second flat, the whole thing is opened up. And he pulls out of it, there's two different gifts. And he pulls out of it the first one, and it's a box, a wooden box with the lid on it. Um, and inside of that are these wooden magnets. And he loved them. They're, they're like trucks and animals and vehicles and all that stuff um, on them. And so I immediately went with my son over to the refrigerator, opened up the box. He took out all the magnets, and I helped him put them on the refrigerator. Well, he knew that there was another gift in that package that he had not yet gone and touched yet. So as soon as we were done putting all the magnets on the fridge, he ran back from the fridge to the tree to open up the other piece, uh, the other half of that gift, only to forsake and actually seemingly forget the fact that his other half of his gift was still on the refrigerator. He went through the rest of that afternoon. I don't even know if he touched it again. I don't know if he even recognized it again that he had that gift there. And I think about that situation, I think, that's probably the way many of us are. In fact, you may notice, I'm going to out myself here. You may notice that I'm teaching on this brand new iPad mini. I just got it <laughs> recently. I'm a technology geek. In fact, some, of, some, of, some people may classify me as a nerd. I hope I don't look like a nerd or act like a nerd, but I am deep inside. I love technology, and actually, I really love Apple products. There's something, though, that Steve Jobs instilled in the Apple company that even though he's passed away, it's still very much in their DNA, and that is this. When they come out with a new product, it's only new for about two days. Then they start announcing the next product that they're going to come out with. And me being a tech geek and somebody who loves Apple products, I fall into this trap constantly. The fact that what I have right now is only new for this long. And then it turns into this desire, this deep desire to have something that I don't have. It's that next thing. It's the iPhone 6. It's the, you know, it's whatever, whatever floats your boat. It's that thing that you just don't have. Um, and I think that we live in a society that has taught us 
that it's not about what you do have. It's not about enjoying the fact, even for a small moment of time, that you have something that's really neat and really nice and really new and actually really useful. It's about the fact that you don't have the newest, the latest, the greatest. And it keeps us reaching and reaching and looking and never being satisfied. So we ask the question this season, what are you focusing on? We walk into a season of gift giving and gift receiving. I want to say that it's okay to desire gifts. In fact, the Bible talks about when we desire gifts from him, we're supposed to eagerly desire and ask him for those things. But we're not supposed to forsake the things that we already have to do that. There's a portion of scripture in Acts chapter 3. If you guys have your Bibles, open them up. Acts chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 1, but I want to I paint a quick picture here. The book of Acts is a book that talks about the early church. Chapter 1 is Jesus coming back and talking to the disciples. And he tells his disciples, he says to his disciples, hey, here's the deal. I've risen from the dead. Now you guys, you know, you can come back. You can all be happy. I, I did what I said I was going to do. Um, but I got to go again. And as you can understand, when he left the first time, they're like, no, wait, 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 wait. We already gave you up once. We're not going to give you up again. And Jesus' response to his disciples was, look, here's the deal. If I don't go, it's better for me to go because if I don't go, the Holy Spirit's not going to come. And you need the Holy Spirit because that's my gift to you. So that's basically what happens. He says, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. So he leaves. The day of Pentecost happens. Tongues of fire come on people's heads. Um, they're given the gift of the Holy Spirit um, in, in multiple ways, in multiple fashions. And they start the ministry of the, new, the early church. They start going out and sharing and preaching the gospel message of Jesus Christ to all of the people in all of the world. And so we come upon a story, Peter and John, best friends, um, they're going through this process probably pretty soon after Jesus had ascended back to heaven, and they're doing what Jesus said. He said, look, I gave you my Holy Spirit, get out there and teach people about Jesus, teach people about me. Um, and so we come upon this story as Peter and John are going to the temple, and it says this, chapter, or, uh, chapter 3, verse 1. It says, now Peter and John we're going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. Why is that important? Because what that means is that this is a very busy time at the temple. Everybody's coming to the temple at prayer. It's hustle and bustle. People are running to and from. And a man, lame from birth, was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. Now, I think that this is a very interesting place that we need to stop. Peter and John are broke missionaries. <laughs> they have nothing. They literally, they, they were fishermen making nothing, and they gave up making nothing to make even less to go follow Jesus. They threw away their jobs as fishermen and said, okay, Jesus, I'm going to follow you and I'm going to move forward. So it's not like they're these two really wealthy guys dressed up really nice, walking into the temple in this beggar sees them and says, oh, these guys got money. No, this is what the beggar does. He lives off of the fact that he can't work, he can't make money, so he needs alms. And so he sees Peter and John walking into the temple and says to them, hey, you guys have any money? And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John. And this is what they said, look at us. And he fixed his attention to them, expecting to receive something from them, silver or gold. But Peter said, and this is where I think that if you have a pen, you need to underline this in your Bible. Peter said something that's really astonishing. And he says, I have no silver and no gold, 
But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Stop. Peter and John didn't have gold. They didn't have silver, which is what this man was looking for. But they did have something that Jesus had given them, and that was life. That was the power of the Holy Spirit in them. It would have been very easy at that moment in time, Peter and John, in the hustle and bustle, the crowd of people that they're going with, having a, having a, a desire to get into the temple so that they could pray at that hour to say, you know what, I'm sorry, I can't help you. I don't have any money. I've been guilty of this with people on the side of the road. I can't do much for you. I've got to move on and go throughout my day. But here's the cool thing. At this moment in time for Peter and John, it wasn't about what they didn't have. It's about what they did have. And they had the Holy Spirit inside of them, and they knew it. So they came to this man who was looking for silver and gold, who was probably extremely perplexed whenever they said to him, I'm sorry, I don't have silver or gold, but I'm going to give you something else. And they said to him, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Verse 7, and he took him up by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were all filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to that man. You know, there's a reality that we see in this story. And that is this. Our lives while it's okay to desire other gifts, should be marked by using the gifts that God has given us now. If Peter and John walked past that man and said, I don't have anything to give you. I have no silver. I have no gold. It's time for me to get on with my day. How many people that day would not have seen the miracle that God wanted to perform? How many people would not have experienced the fullness of life in Christ if they forsaked what they had and said, it's about what I don't have. I present to myself first and then to us as a church the mentality as we walk into this season, pushing aside tangible gifts, are you focusing on what you do have from Christ? Is that when you walk into this season what is going to drive you? The fact that he has given you his grace. He has given you his mercy. He has given you his life. He has given you abundant joy in him and his son. It's something for us to rejoice in. So the question then begs, what do we have? Okay, so if we're supposed to focus on what we do have, then what do we have? So that brings us to point two. It's a perfect transition. You guys are probably seeing a little play on words here. This is um, thanks to Pastor DJ Smith, our campus pastor at the uh, Castle Rock campus. He's a bit of a witty person. I'm not necessarily nearly as funny. I'm a nerd. We already learned that. Um, but the idea is that you can look this gift elephant in the mouth. Okay, so some of you read that and you're like, I have no idea what that means. Okay, because I'm a nerd, I went and researched some of this. Um, we're in a white elephant series. We've already talked about the idea of what a white elephant is, and that is a gift back 
um, long, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago, um, a gift of a white elephant was a gift that was given to um, somebody from royalty that ultimately would put that person under because the task of taking care of a white elephant, only the riches of the rich could do that. So if you didn't like somebody, you would give them a white elephant and eventually it would bankrupt that person. Okay, so that's the white elephant idea and that's why we put elephant in this sentence. Um, but I went and I researched the idea of a gift horse. How many of you guys have ever heard, you can't look at, or don't look a gift horse in the mouth? Okay, we, you probably even used that statement, um, and, and I don't know if you know what it means, um, but very briefly, it's this. I guess there was a period of time when people would gift other people horses. I don't live in that time, um, unless maybe you're Amish and you live in Pennsylvania, a gift of a horse probably, for the most part, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, but... Horses um, are a special animal to where when you look at their mouths, you can actually tell the age and the health of a horse by their gums. The more teeth or the more of the tooth, each tooth that you could see on a horse, the older and less healthy it is. So the, the gums on a horse tend to recede as they get older. Somebody who has a horse that doesn't really care about it and just is going to have to get rid of it at some point in time and gifts it to you, um, this phrase comes from that idea that you can't look at it in the mouth. You have to take it for what it is. Don't look at the horse in the mouth and start to assess the value of that gift. It's a gift. Okay, so don't look too close into it, too deep into um, the thought of what that gift is. Well, here's the reality of the gift that we have, and as I, after I've royally screwed everybody up with this thought. Um, <laughs> here's the reality, and here's the foundation of why we put this. You can look at the gift that God has given you. You can inspect the things that he has handed you because they're good, <coughs> because they're right, because they're perfect. Because they're from him, they're not from somebody that's trying to pass off an old horse as a gift to you of kindness. What Christ has given us is something that's powerful, something that's life-giving, and something that's enjoyable. You know, the idea of white elephant in this day and age is really an exchange of gifts between people, things that really are meaningless, that they, they're not very valuable, and it's something that we, we partake in a lot of times at parties just to have fun. In fact, in the spirit of the White Elephant series that we're in right now, last week we as a Lone Tree pastoral staff um, went and had lunch together, and we did our own little White Elephant gift exchange. Well, in that White Elephant gift exchange, I received a gift of a Pez dispenser and a wooden puzzle that is absolutely impossible to figure out. <laughs> the only reason I say that is because I cannot tell you how many hours I've wasted trying to figure it out, <laughs> only to my demise. Well, here's the reality. When we're given gifts, we have to take the gift for what it is, as well as the giver of those gifts. So this gift was given to me by Pastor, uh, Pastor um, Ben Binger, and so first of all, right off the bat, you got to take it for who it's coming from. <laughs> coming from Pastor Ben. I don't think he's here right now, so I can say that. It's okay. Um, but you also got to take it for what it is. The gift was given in jest. So it's a fun, funny thing to enjoy. But the gifts that Christ has given us, the gifts that God has given us in his son, first of all, they're given from the one who has everything. They're given from the one who holds life in his hands, the one who has breathed his life into each and every one of us. He has the ability to give out anything. So not only is the giver perfect, but the gifts that he has given us are good, and they are right, 
And they're for us to enjoy, not for us to spend hours on trying to figure out how to do something, work it out, and have it make no sense. You know, when we do weddings, um, there's a few of us that um, there's a phrase in our weddings that we, um, we use, and it's the idea of this. The world is looking, constantly looking, whether you're a believer or you're not a believer, the world is constantly looking for the supernatural. I believe that it's something that's instilled in every person. It's something that's ingrained into the DNA of humans, and that is that we are constantly on the lookout for the supernatural. I think we see that in people's desire to understand what's out there. The fact that they dabble in all of these things so many times, never to land on Jesus Christ um, quite often, but they're looking for the supernatural. Well, I want to say to you, the supernatural is right here. In Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, you've all heard this a thousand times, especially when you come to this time of year, but it's something that's so powerful, and yet we blow past it so often. And this is the gift that we have been given as believers. And it says this, and an angel said to them, fear not for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. One of the greatest things that has ever been said on this planet was the fact that this day, as the angels talked to the shepherds, said, don't be afraid. The most amazing gift has been given to you today, and that is Jesus Christ, who will be your Savior. But it doesn't stop there. And I don't know that if you picked up on this or not, but there's some things that whenever we receive this gift, we receive the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, that we should walk in, that sometimes we forget about, and that is that this is good news. This is not bad news. This is not difficult news. This is not a gift of a white elephant. This is not something that God has given us saying, ha, 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 now you have salvation, but you have to do all of these things, and you can't do any of those things that you used to do. This is good news. And this good news is supposed to bring us great joy. As I look out there, I recognize great joy sometimes in this season may be hard to come by, but it shouldn't because we, as we look at the gifts that God has given us, the gift specifically through his son, it should be joyful. And it's really amazing too, because the angel says something extremely profound there. And he says, this good news and this great joy isn't just for you. It's not just for you. It's not just for me. It's for all people. Christ came as a gift from God to all people. Now, we have to apply that personally in our lives, but it's something that's available to all of us. We can all have the good news of joy and life in Jesus. As a pastor, there's portions of our job that sometimes are very difficult. And I speak mainly right now upon the fact that personally, um, there's, there's processes that we have to walk through with people that sometimes there's just not answers for. And recently, here at our Lone Tree Campus, we've been walking through um, some very difficult situations health-wise 
um, with people. It's, it's been a season um, of a lot of different health issues and some very, very serious. In fact, just this morning, um, we hosted a funeral here at our Lone Tree campus for a woman who lost her life to a battle with cancer. And I've walked through the process with this family. And even though there's difficulty, and even though there's pain, and even though walking through with this woman and her husband and, her, and their children, a process that there's no answers for, a process that is very difficult and there's a lot of grief, I found something that's really amazing. Even when we walk through the greatest difficulties of life, the gift of Jesus in our lives still brings great joy. Even when our bodies fail us and the world around us becomes something that's crumbling, the gift of life that he's given us eternally is good. It brings everything into perspective when we talk about gifts. When we talk about what we do have, you've been given the greatest gift that you could ever imagine. And that's joy and eternal life in your Lord and your Savior. I stood last week, in fact, I stood last Sunday um, in the midst of our services. I went over to these people's house and I visited with that family. And I recognized that even though this woman was giving up her life to a battle with cancer, her life and joy were never stolen from her. And I submit to you, we, many of us, very healthy, very alive, with everything going for us in this life, sometimes struggle more than that person on their deathbed with joy. And with recognizing that what you have is so wonderful and so perfect. So I challenge you, as you walk into this season, in two days, three days, when we celebrate Christmas, would you not just put a smile on your face, but feel the warmth of joy in your heart for what Christ has given you? Because in that is life. The amazing thing about this gift is that to truly experience the fullness of what Christ has given us, we have to share it with other people. The gift is better, actually, when you share it. Even saying that sometimes is a very fearful thing for some of us. Some of us are very solid in our, in our beliefs and our acceptance of Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, but we wouldn't go and utter that to another soul to save our lives. But the reality is, is if you want to experience even greater joy, you want to know him in a deeper way, it's time to share your faith with others. Philemon 1.6. It's actually moot to put the number one there because Philemon only has one chapter. So technically, some of you guys just learned something right there. So technically, it's Philemon 6. But don't try to go flip through because there's only one chapter. So if you're going to turn there, it's Philemon 6. Um, and it says this. It says, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. I'm going to read that one more time. I pray that you, me, and every person in here who has accepted Jesus as their Lord and their Savior may be active in sharing your faith. That word active means that you're doing something about it, right? It means that there's forward momentum, that you're actually um, putting legs to the idea of sharing your faith. 
I pray that you're active in sharing your faith. Well, why? Because by doing that, not only will others come into the kingdom, into the knowledge, into the love and the life of Jesus Christ, but you personally will have a full understanding of every good thing that we have in Christ. If you've been praying and asking the Lord, Lord, I want to know you better. Father, I want to just understand who you are in a more powerful and more relevant way. Lord, I want to experience your life so greatly. I challenge you, go tell people about him. Because the word of the Lord says, when we do that, then we're able to experience his life and the knowledge of who he is in far greater capacity than we can just upon our own ability. This gift is not only better when shared, but it's meant to be shared. The gift that Jesus has given us in his life, the gift that God gave us through his son, is meant to be shared. It's meant to be something that's amazing. We've turned it into this holiday where we give gifts to other people and we celebrate, you know, a big fat man that wears a red suit and a white beard. All of these are fun festivities. All of these are, none of it is bad, but the reality is, is where this came from, and the reason for this is to celebrate what we have been given in Christ. Are we celebrating that? Are we not only celebrating it with our families, but with those around us as well? You know, I think it starts in the home, though. I think part of the thing that many believers struggle with is the fact that sharing your faith can be a very intimidating thing. I don't know what to say. What if I make a fool of myself? What if I say something that actually doesn't exist in the Bible? You know, what if I go out there and somebody has um, a rebuttal for what I've told them and I don't have an answer to give back to them? Well, I think that part of this needs to start back at the home. Don't go out there on a street corner and try to start preaching right now or go into your office and become the preacher, you know, who nobody wants to listen to. Start with your family. Something that we've done in our family, um, you don't have to do this, but I think that it's a wonderful encouragement, um, is to share with our children at a young age what this season is actually all about. We've talked to our kids and said, look, while we celebrate Christmas, while we enjoy the festivities, while we hang out with family, while we give, give gifts to each other, we also want you to understand something. And so we sat down with our children not too long ago and just, again, reiterated the fact that this season is about one gift. It's about the gift of Jesus Christ coming to this earth. And if you lose focus of that gift, none of the other things that we do in this season matter. But it doesn't stop with just understanding what this season is about. It's about what we do about with that gift. Because you've been given that gift, it's your responsibility to share that gift with other people around you. We did it through Angel Tree this year. A really neat way just to share the love of God with other people. A fun opportunity. There's 19 young adults in our church doing that on December 26th by going out to Costa Rica and sharing the love of Christ. You're in a, during a time when most people are thinking about what they can receive. They're going out so that they can give to others the life of Christ. It's an amazing opportunity for us to do this. In fact, we kind of had a bit of a... Of a I don't know, a challenge, if you will, in a really good way um, amongst our executive pastors. And we talked about the challenge of inviting somebody to our Christmas Eve services. And so we have each taken it upon ourselves to do something very, very simple. 
ask somebody to come to the Christmas Eve services. Not to go and proselytize to that person, not to go and bring a Bible and read 10 verses of scripture to them and tell them why they need to love Jesus more than they love anything else in this earth. We just said, you know what? Let's go out there and spread the love of God by inviting somebody to our Christmas Eve services by being welcoming and warm to them. And I think it's a really neat opportunity. I invited somebody just last night, one of my neighbors. I don't know if him and his family will come. I hope they do. But I'll tell you this. By doing that, by walking out what this verse in Philemon tells us to do, something supernatural happens through that. God gets a hold of a situation in my life and blesses me because I've been faithful to do what he's called me to do. God has been given the authority in their lives. Now they have to be the ones that wrestle with the fact, do I or do I, do I not go? It's not your responsibility to drag somebody to church, but it is your responsibility to share the gift that Christ has given you, the gift that you hold. Now, I recognize that this, is a, this message is probably nothing new to any of you. But 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 12 and 13 Peter writes a letter to the church, and he makes a statement to them. And he says, so I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have, I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body. This message may not be new to you, but for many of us, it needs to be something as refreshing and washing our minds in a remembrance of what this season is. This is a season of life and joy. This is a season where it's not about what you don't have, it's about what you do have in Him. So I'm going to invite our worship team up. We're going to close these services. I've, this may be the first time in the history of me teaching I've ever actually left time on the clock. We are going to engage with our Creator I felt as I studied this message and I heard from the Lord, there's one reminder to leave you with. And again, I know you know this, but I don't know if you're walking in this. And I've struggled sometimes through the busyness of these seasons too. And the reminder is this, that God has given you the gift of joy and of life in His Son. Are you celebrating that? Are you celebrating the fact that God has given you the gift of joy and life in His Son? This is good news. This is great news. If you struggle with joy during this season, think about that message and throw aside the difficulties. If you're like Miss Christmas or Mr. Mr. Claus and you just thrive in this season, walk in that. Walk in that joy, experience and be blessed by it. But the reality is this. God sent his son as a gift to us to give us full life and joy. And as I walked through these situations with families that were seemingly experiencing something that shouldn't bring any joy, they still had it. 
and you should still have it. I should still have it. What are you focusing on? Are you looking at the gift that he's given you for what it is? And then what are you doing with that? So we're going to just enter into a time of worship to be able to just be bathed in his joy. Who doesn't want that? So I'm going to invite you guys to stand to your feet. Let's just pray that. If you want that, would you just hold your palms to the, to the Lord in heaven? Just as a, as a representation of our submitting to him. God, we come to you. Father, I thank you for the life that you've given and the joy that is in your son, Lord God. Father, I thank you that we have to look no further than Jesus to recognize that we have the greatest gift ever been given. <coughs> Father, I personally repent for the fact that sometimes I make this season something that it shouldn't be. Materialize it, Lord God. Trivialize it. Lord where the world has tried to sanitize this season, Father, we bring back the life and the joy that is in you, Lord God, that we turn off the ads, that we turn off what the world says, Lord God, and we want to experience life and joy in you. Thank you for your gift. We focus on that gift, Lord God. We study and experience that gift in new ways right now. And as your Holy Spirit is in this place, Lord God, I pray that you would shower your love and your blessing and your joy upon every person in here. And as we walk into this time of worship, our hearts and our lives are yours, Lord. Without fear, we worship you, Lord God. Because 2,000 years ago, you sent your son to this earth to save us all. And we say thank you, Lord. We will take that gift we will use it, we will love it, and we will give it to others. Father, we love you. In your name we pray. Everyone said, amen. Pastor Nate. Joyful and tragic.